Hey guys, welcome to episode number 43 of the Mimi B Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and you're listening to the Mimi B Magazine podcast, a lifestyle podcast all on health, relationships, sex, career, and self-development. This podcast is designed to entertain, inspire, and to motivate you to become the best version of yourself possible. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey everybody, today I have Liv on the podcast with me. She's from Australia and I found her through Instagram. She's a nutritionist. I am obsessed with her Instagram page. It is Liv in Bondi and you guys definitely need to go check her out because it's all of these amazing recipes that are higher fat but in a healthy way. So I thought I needed to get Liv on my podcast today. Thank you so much for coming on. No, thanks for having me, girl. So excited to be chatting. I'm so excited too. So before we started recording this podcast, we were just chatting about what we're going to talk about and stuff. And we started talking about the keto diet and um, really quickly why we didn't like how, you know, labeling the keto diet as the keto diet. So Liv, do you want to just, you know, delve right into why you don't like call in the way you eat the keto diet and what you actually do eat at the moment? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I I wrote this blog post a while ago that I said ketosis isn't a diet. It's not a a plate of cheese. It's like it's a physiological state. It's a state that your body is in. It's not necessarily a specific food or a specific diet. Um, And so when people ask me about my opinions on the keto diet or, um, you know, they may say, oh, what about this research or there's not enough research, I'm saying about what? Like about what keto diet? Because that can be anything. Um, Are you talking about being in ketosis or are you talking about eating a whole plate of cheese or are you talking about fasting? Um, So that's why the keto diet really can be anything. So it's impossible to just comment on what what I think of the keto diet. Yeah, I totally agree. You know what? So I actually started experimenting with this keto higher fat diet earlier this year and I saw so many benefits to it and I loved it so I started you know obviously chatting to everybody about it because it really was changing my body and changing my mindset and I really it was the first thing that really worked for me in a really long time so you know you know fast forward a few months and I was like okay why are all these people saying such negative things when I tell them about this keto diet it's amazing and I feel great on it and then I realized like there's this massive misconception with keto diets because you can do them in so many different ways people can be in ketosis while only eating processed meat and cheese and that is so not what I promote and so not healthy and I know you agree with that obviously you know so this misconception I think like makes me kind of hold back these days now telling people I'm doing a keto diet because it can mean so many different things. Like you said, ketosis is a way of of burning fat for fuel. Like it's not a plate of cheese. It's not like deli meats. Like it's, it's, you can do it in many different ways. And I think our philosophy is so similar and we want to, you know, reach ketosis through really whole, like healthy, nutritious foods and no processed shit. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Um, like Mark Hyman said, you know, food is information. So the types of foods that you eat matter so much more than macros or calories. Um, and that's where I think what you eat is far more important than um, the macros of what you eat. Um, well, the types of foods that you eat are much more important than the macros. 
Um, so yeah. And I think when you look at ketosis in that sort of way, like it's not a diet, it's a state that your body's in. Then if you are knocked out of ketosis for a certain amount of time, it's, you don't see it as a big issue. You know, if you have some sweet potato or carrot or beetroot or something with dinner and you get knocked out of ketosis for a few hours, it's just not a big deal. Um, you know, and having that metabolic, metabolic flexibility is really important. It's more the ability to be able to burn fat, which I think everyone should have really, um, apart from being in ketosis all the time and having to eat only fat and never eating carbs. That's not the important thing. It's, it's that flexibility where you can burn fat. And I do think that that's a sort of basic human physiological need that we all should have, but we don't have because we've kind of been living off sugar for so many years and eating sugar and carbohydrates all day long and snacking and stuff like that. We've kind of lost that ability. So we have to do these keto diets to get back to that ability um, when it just shouldn't, we should have been able to do that the whole time. I totally agree with you. And you know what? Since the past maybe three months, I've been experimenting with listening to my body more and practicing intuitive eating. And it's literally changed my life. Doing a kind of more strict keto diet earlier this year really helped me. And like it kind of, you know, it um, made my weight loss a bit faster. Like I, I lost like 10 pounds in the past year of fat. Not that I had much to lose. Like I'm a pretty small girl, but like I kind of, I want to be like a low body fat percentage, just like that's like a goal of mine. Like I really want to, you know, for my fitness levels and everything like that's just a big goal. So um, I have like maybe five more pounds to lose of fat, but it's really helped me in that department doing a more strict-ish keto. But again, I don't want this for the rest of my life. Like, so after I kind of lost the initial weight, I started you know, it with this intuitive eating thing, like eating some sweet potato if I felt like it at dinner. And like last night, I was just like really craving carbs. Like maybe it's the time of the month or something, but I was just in a carby mood. So I made like a brown rice pasta with just a bunch of veg and olive oil and nutritional yeast. And I was like, whatever, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. And I'm not going to overeat it because that's another big thing. Like, you know, I used to really have this habit if if I was being bad, I'd be really bad and I would overeat and like that day would just go to waste and it'd just be, you know, a complete mess. And then if I was good, I'd be really, really good and be so strict. And now what I'm trying to do with this intuitive eating thing is like, you know, listening to my body and doing everything out of love. Um, I recorded a podcast, I think it was like number 30 or 32 or something on on this podcast, all about like self-love and self-care. And it was a solo podcast. And I speak about intuitive eating a lot because it's really just like a mind-body-soul connection there. It's like you're just listening to yourself and you're not going to be unhealthy if you're listening to yourself and loving yourself and like doing it with a pure intent of being the best you. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, what you were saying at the beginning there with um – being flexible and, and listening to your body. And when you do like feel like you need a little bit more carbohydrates, you know, honoring that um, it's super important. And I think that's where people kind of get bogged down in the nutrition and health industry is they find something that may work for a few months and gives them results. And then they latch onto it like a religion. And then, you know, they've got nowhere to move from there. And, you know, we are very flexible sort of beings. We don't work like robots, you know, we're human beings. And that's normal that different things are going to work for you at different times, depending on your schedules, you know, your stress levels, so many different things. Um, so, you know, and that's where it, it's important to kind of not attach to labels and really listen to your body. Um, and then when you do 
kind of have that, we are not attached to a label. It's much easier to do things from love and you don't kind of beat yourself up about doing things like that maybe off the plan or off what you previously said or labeled yourself as. It's all got to be kind of come more naturally. Yeah, totally. Okay, so let's talk about what you eat and like your journey and where you started um, and what you eat to make you feel your absolute best as a nutritionist. Yeah, so I mean, I feel... Where do you, so, so much to talk about. It just depends where you want to start. Um, I've always been super into my health, um, both from a food perspective and a mental perspective as well. So it's always pretty come pretty naturally to me to eat well and look after myself. Um, but I have been through the normal sort of teenage and high school and college life. Um, you know, and I think we all went through that phase in high school where we kind of didn't eat much and were quite obsessed with losing weight, the typical girl thing. Um, but I quickly learned that it was more just about how it made me feel. Um, so what I've, I've, I'd say I'd, I've never really eaten high carbohydrate diet, I'd say. I've always been pretty, you know, lots of veg and good quality proteins and um, I've never really done low fat. I've kind of missed that sort of era because of my age, which is thank God for that. <laughs> Um, apart from when I was sort of a kid and we kind of ate cereals and sugar and things like that. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I've always eaten pretty well. Um, and then cause I've always eaten pretty much low carb learning about the keto diet, which I think I learnt from, um, bullet, the bulletproof book, Dave Asprey. That was the first time. I Me too. Of- really? <laughs> Yeah, that was the first time I kind of heard of it. And I started like slowly implementing things. I used to do a lot of reading and I've never like once decided, okay, I'm going to start the keto diet from this date. I just sort of slowly started implementing a few philosophies from not just that book, but a few different books that I was reading and listening to a few different kind of gurus in the area. Um, And it just kind of naturally happened that I kind of got into that sort of style of eating. Um, So I was doing more like really low carbohydrate for a while, probably like I'd say a year, I kind of was doing the more typical like bulletproof coffee in the morning. And then um, my lunch and dinners, I always have these things called live bowls. Cause I, I did, that's the thing. I didn't know what to call them because they weren't salads and, but they also weren't like sandwiches and soups. So I just call them live bowls. Cause they're basically just like a big bowl of veg, um, some good quality protein and lots of olive oil and avocado and seeds and nuts Um so that's kind of what I have for lunch and dinner. And generally I stick to two meals a day. Recently I've been having three. Um, you know, it's, it's again, it's just changing it up. But the one thing I don't do is snacking. I'm just not a fan of snacking. Um, and I have been in the past, but now I think, I mean, I'm sure you probably experienced that as well. You just don't need to snack when you're eating a more higher fat sort of satiating diet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and I also, I, I laugh with my friend because, I was like, if I'm hungry, like I want a big plate of food. I don't want, you know, 10 almonds. That will do nothing to me if I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd say now I kind of, I enjoy it. I like, really like fasting and um, a sort of more higher fat, really high in veg. But I do like to incorporate um, sweet potatoes, root veggies. I love root veggies. Occasionally I'll have a bit of fruit. Um, those are sort of the carbohydrates. How often do you eat? Yeah, how often do you eat carbs? Like, will you have sweet potatoes in every um, single one of your live bowls or will you have fruit, like, how many times a week? Like, how often do you eat it? Um, I'd probably say 
I probably I probably have root vegetables like two or three times a week and then I have fruit probably once a week but only because I just don't crave fruit really um mm-hmm. and no other reason and I don't it's not because I don't because I think it's bad for you I just don't crave sort of that sweet fruit taste um I'd rather have a sweet potato so yeah I'd probably say two to three times a week I have that and also um there is some sort of research around doing it around your menstrual cycle so mm. I'm not quite educated in this space but I think it's the first phase of your cycle you after your period you can do more stricter low carb and then leading into your um, menstruation phase you kind of bring in more of those sweet potatoes and things to support your body through that period. Mm-hmm. And I guess if you practice intuitive eating and you really build this that. relationship with your body can you hear me? Side miss I miss what you just said. No, it's okay. Um, but yeah, if you, I guess you're right. Like in, if you, you know, uh, practice intuitive eating, I have naturally found that I'm craving these carbs right before my period. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to have some healthy carbs and I'll have some sweet potato or some, you know, brown rice pasta like I did last night or a little bit more, more fruit or something, you know, or buckwheat crackers. But, you know, I think most of the time I feel way better when I'm not eating that like at every single meal and I really value it and like cherish it more if it's more of a treat, you know? So it's like, yeah, like three or four times a week if you're eating more carbs. Um, like I, I just think having it in every single meal doesn't make me feel my best. No, totally. And and for me as well, my biggest thing is I always have them at night. So I kind of spend the whole day without really carbohydrates apart from green vegetables. Um, and then I'll have them at night. And so that um, supports my sleep and it's at that stage you know how you get that mental clarity when you've had a bulletproof coffee and a some sort of like keto meal you feel really good and then at night time you relax and you have a bit of sweet potato and you support your body it helps you sleep um, and there is research around um, having a little bit more carbohydrates to support female hormones um, and doing a more of a cyclic sort of keto diet right oh like cyclic ketosis rather than- I'm so into this yeah yeah totally so and that just also makes it more flexible. I mean, I, you know, I'm really into my food and healthy eating, and but I don't feel like if I find it really easy to live life and to socialize and things like that. So it seems to be working. I, I think a lot of people get really scared and they're like, "How do you, how do you ever go out with your friends and socialize?" And I'm yet to have an issue. But um, I have to admit, I do live in Bondi, so it's there's so many healthy restaurants here. So it's, it's more normal to be healthy than not to be healthy. So it's pretty easy here, but I certainly haven't had an issue socially yet. Oh my God. Yeah, me too. Everyone's always like, oh my God, like you're being so strict. Like, how do you have a social life? Like I value my social life more than, you know, losing five pounds. And it's like, no, dude, like you can be healthy and have a social life. And it actually makes me more social and it makes my conversations better when I'm really healthy and in a good mindset and feeling really good about myself. So I totally agree with you. Like I have not really encountered much, um, you know, pressure at all to be unhealthy when I'm out. Like I just do what I do when I order what I order. Um, and you know what, again, like I can have a glass of red wine with my boyfriend on date night or if I'm at a friend's house or something and that's fine. But again, like health is not just this one sided thing where you're super strict. It's, it's the balance thing. And just, you know, 90% 90% of the time, like being really nice to your body and doing great things and, and eating such great food. And then the other 10% maybe for me, I think, yeah, it's like 90, 90, 10 for me. I think the other 10% just like, you know, having that glass of red wine or like having some, you know, a bite of this or a bite of that. It's just like, that's more 
for longevity for me. You know, I know I can't live the rest of my life being so strict. I won't be happy. So that's how I do it. Yeah, totally. And what you said, like that mentality is so common of like, why would you be so strict? Like losing weight is not that, you know, worth it. And that's just, you know, I just want to scream at people. I'm just like, it's so not about losing weight. Losing weight is just not even in my head at all, but I want to be in a good mood. And if, you know, if I'm not in a good mood, I don't want to socialize anyway, and I'm not good company. Um, it's all about that sort of mental state and just feeling feeling like yourself, I basically call it. I call it being in your center, which is kind of just where you feel like yourself. And I don't feel that way if I'm not looking after myself. Um, and so, yeah, losing weight is just not even in my head at all or weight in general. Um, I love that being in your center. I call it my superwoman self when I'm feeling like so on point and just so me, I call it my superwoman self and you call it your center. I love that. Your center. It's just like who you're supposed to be, you know? I'm so happy you relate to that. Cause I it took me a while to figure that out. Like, and then I kind of labeled as that. And then everything just sort of made sense, you know. I go through these phases where I'd feel really off for a while and I didn't feel like myself and I kind of do things that weren't really me. You know, it might have been like drinking too much or eating too much or not being a kind person or being messy or unproductive. And I kind of get so confused and be like, why am I like this? And then I was just like, oh, I'm just off center. And then I kind of learned what I needed to do to get myself back into center, which was, you know, exercising and spending time with loved ones and um, the way that I eat and and a lot of yoga and meditation, that's sort of my biggest thing into getting back into my center. Um, and so, and then when I realized that that was just center and off center, it just made life so much easier and it was less confusing. And also that's not to say that suddenly, because I discovered that I'm in my center all the time, like I still come in and out of it, but knowing that, um, you know, and kind of recognizing that is the biggest thing. And I think you obviously totally get that. I think everyone's got their sort of word for it, but that's awesome to hear. Yeah. And you're so right. People need to understand that you don't need to be switched on all the time. Like this, the past two weeks, I've been so freaking stressed. There's just like so much going on with like the projects that I'm doing right now that I'm just like literally the most anxious, stressed person. And I haven't been doing my morning routine as often as I usually do. And like, it's really made me, it's pushed me off center. You know, my superwoman self is not there all the time, but I know what to do to get her back and to you know, get that mojo back. And for the, for once it's like, or for one thing, it's um my morning routine. Like that is my ultimate thing that puts me in the mode, you know, starting my day right. Um, so, and eating correctly, like that's another massive thing. Like just eating with love and like nutritious foods and really taking time to cook and feed my body. That makes me feel superwoman. Like not being on my phone, this is another massive thing. Like I overconsume social media so much when I'm in this bad state and it only like, you know, I'm digging myself a hole. It's only doing worse and worse. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like, it's just balance with everything, knowing that not everybody is in center all the time and just doing the things that, you know, work for you. So Really quickly, though, I want to go back to to your diet. So you eat a higher fat diet. You, uh, you know, practice intermittent fasting most days, cyclically, whatever. Um, I do the same and I love it. It's like the best thing ever. I feel so mentally clear after a fast. And I also feel like I'm not as like 
you know, anal about what I'm eating during my eating window. Like I'm not like, okay, like I need to portion this. I eat more like because, but I feel good doing so, you know? So anyway, yeah, you, you do the fasting and, um, do you eat much meat dairy? Can we talk about that? Cause I always like to ask the nutritionists or doctors I have on this podcast about that because it's such like, there's so much controversy on meat and dairy. Oh, so much. I know. And um, I mean, I kind of, I find it very interesting myself. I also used to be vegan as well. So, you know, I feel like we all <laughs> were vegan at one stage, Um, but I actually brought back slowly. I brought back eggs and fish into my diet. And then I do eat red meat um, now as well. I'm, I'm super picky about quality. Like I will admit, um, you know, so a lot of people think that I'm vego because I don't know if you shorten it to vego. In Australia, we shorten everything, but vegetarian, we call vego. Um, a lot of people think that I'm vegetarian because I don't eat much meat when I'm out. And it's because of that, because I'm so picky about where that meat comes from. I mean, it is a huge difference between organic grass-fed um, meat and pasture-raised eggs and chicken as opposed to the standard stuff you get in the supermarket. That's kind of nothing like that. There's, you know... You've got to kind of realize that that is a dead animal and you've got to recognize the kind of lifestyle that it had. Um, and they do have different nutritional qualities, certainly in the um, levels of fats, especially in grass fed beef compared to grain fed beef. They're all different levels of fats. And also, that's not a traditional diet for an animal. Corn and wheat and grain is not a traditional diet for an animal. So, that animals are sick when they die. And what do you think that's going to do to you? And you're kind of ingesting that. Um, so if you are, go- I'm, I'm not against veganism at all, if you want to be vegan. And if you don't, quality is really important. Mm-hmm. I, I'm on the exact same page as you. I don't even, I don't really order meat when I'm out too, because I know that it's probably not organic or wild or, you know, I don't eat red meat, but I can say grass fed as well. I actually used to be vegetarian for so long, like almost 10 years. I was vegetarian and definitely experimented with veganism as well. And I still can't do the red meat yet. Like once in a while, maybe like five times a year, I'll have like a good quality bacon. Um, just cause I freaking love the taste, but, um, I haven't had beef in over 10 years. So I like, and you know what, listen, I do, I do all the research and I, the Bulletproof Diet really believes that like grass said beef is good for you and stuff and, you know, quality over quantity for sure. And using it more as a condiment than the main part of the meal and like, you know, pairing it with a ton of veg and healthy fat. But I, and I actually, I'm having a bit of a craving lately to try it if it's really good quality, but I'm just nervous. What would you, what would you say to that? (laughs) I mean, I actually get a lot of questions about um, people who have been on a vegan diet for a really long time asking me how to introduce animal products back in, which I find really interesting. Um, you know, there's quite a lot of research coming out about the potential upsides of eating good quality meat, um, especially in regards to um, many autoimmune conditions and um, psychiatric disorders like depression and anxiety, which is kind of a passion of mine. Um so I think for people wanting to introduce that stuff back in, I'd go eggs and I think bone broth really is a really good place to start. So the bone broth is um, the protein in there is collagen and that's got, it's really anti-inflammatory. So it kind of balances out the infl- um, the inflammation sort of 
effects of too much muscle meat, which is like your steaks and chicken breasts and those sorts of meats. You know, humans were designed to eat kind of whole animals, not just the eye filler and just the chicken breasts. So consuming a collagen powder or a bone broth is really good for you, basically for those anti-inflammatory properties. Yes. uh, And I I was actually quite sick like a month ago and I had beef bone broth and I loved it. Um, but do you think like, cause I, I'm, I'm good with eggs and I'm good with organic chicken and I do wild fish often, but do you think, um, you know, do you think it's, it's beneficial for us to be eating really high quality red meat sometimes, maybe once or twice a week? Um, definitely not for everyone. Um, there's kind of going to be no one size fits all. A lot of people will really Mm. thrive on a vegan diet. I think everyone thrives on a plant-based diet. That's hundred percent true, but I don't think, I mean, in my head, plant-based doesn't mean vegan. Some people, it means the same thing, but you know, I I kind of, the way that I eat is basically a vegan who eats meat. You know, I, (laughs) I I eat meat every now and then it's not an everyday thing at all. Um, I, I have eggs every day, I'd say but I eat a lot of vegan food. And, you know, sometimes in a day, the only animal food that I eat is two eggs. So, you know, a too much meat absolutely has serious health um, consequences and certainly low quality meat. So I don't think it's ne- necessary to have it. I've made a personal choice too, because it is super high in nutrition. Um, it's really concentrated in lots of good stuff. So I think it's a kind of good addition to the diet. Um yeah, but it is, it's, there's no way that you can kind of give that sort of one size fits all. It's not going to work for everyone. Um, so it's kind of, you've got to find what works for you. Yeah, for sure. So I guess I'll listen to my body. And if I come face to face with a piece of <laughs> grass fed, high quality red meat and I want to have some, then I will. But yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yeah, I totally, yeah. You have it doesn't mean you need to have it every week. You know, you might have it once and not eat it again for another eight months and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what your body's telling you that's totally fine it's no reason to label yourself you know Hmm. you know it's funny like one of my best friends Stella she's also a nutritionist and she eats a high quality grass-fed steak once a month and she literally it's like clockwork she intuitively craves it once a month and that's it and that's all she needs and she doesn't you know want it any other time so yeah, I definitely exactly. agree I don't think yeah yeah, and I think I think I don't want to come across because I'm certainly agree that as a whole people eat too much meat or like the non-vegetarians. Um, so, you know, I, I fully see the downsides of that. But I do think there is a kind of happy medium. I don't think just because they kind of research something that's bad for you that um, having a small amount is not beneficial. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. So what about dairy? Even if it's really good quality dairy, would you still stay away from it? Um, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I'm not totally dairy free. It's the dairy is the kind of thing I have no issue with it if it's good quality, but it's going to be one of those foods that's like not every day. Um, you know, it's kind of once every few weeks when you really feel like it or when you're out. I, I, I like to have cheese when I'm out and about, especially socially. Like it's nice to join in on um, cheese platters and things like that. Um, and also then when you're out in restaurants, then you don't need to be so fussy because you're not gluten-free, dairy-free, this free, that free, that free. Like you've got a little bit more leeway. But yeah, it's kind of, I'm happy to have dairy in those situations, especially good quality, um, especially a goat's um, dairy. 
Um, but it's kind of not something that's on my weekly grocery list that I would have every day. Totally agreed. Yes, I completely agree. I feel like when I eat more cheese, though, like I'll, I'll always buy organic. Like I'll never get the the standard processed gross stuff that's super cheap from the supermarket. I'll always, you know, spend the extra money and get the extra quality. So, but when I do, I feel like I eat less. Um, like I'm, I'm definitely more strict keto when I'm eating more cheese because like I eat way less carbs because I feel satiated from the dairy, which I hate and I'm trying to get over. Um, I only really have it like three times a week or three days out of the week. But um, yeah, I, I definitely don't feel my best when I'm eating dairy. I, I definitely know yeah, that. It's one of those things like in a perfect world, I probably would never eat, but it's not a perfect world. Um, so I certainly like I do enjoy like goat's cheese when I'm out with friends and um, I don't mind like a good bit of organic Greek yogurt. I love that every now and then too. And I think it's also one of those things like, yes, there's a lot of research that it causes inflammation in the body. Um, you know, so if you're trying to, if I'm really feeling not good for some reason, I'll definitely stay off it for sure for a month or two. Um, but if I'm feeling okay, then, you know, if it's a choice between a little bit of goat's cheese and, you know, some piece of shit food filled with crap like you know the goat's cheese is probably not gonna be that bad Mm-hmm. totally what about like nuts how many how much nuts do you eat because I feel like recently they've been like so tough on my digestion and I eat like a good amount of nuts totally I talk about this all the time actually because I agree with you um that I mean nuts are really hard to digest if you look at them well, if you just think about it, they're this tough kind of hard thing with these fibers on the outside. They're not a super easy thing to digest. Um, and I think, you know, kind of we in the, I suppose, in the wild, <laughs> not that humans are wild, but you'd find nuts every now and then and you eat a small amount of them. But the way that we eat them now where we like roast them and they taste amazing with salt and it's really easy to just like pack your mouth full of nuts and they taste good as well and especially if you're on that sort of high fat low carb diet um they become a staple and especially nut butters as well but it is really easy to overdo so nuts are one of those things that I'm all for um but I do like to um have the activated ones so activating nuts means it basically mimics the sprouting process so it releases more nutrients and it kind of fills with water and makes them more digestible um, so that's what I like to do with having nuts. And then if I'm having a time where I my digestion's really off or I'm really trying to just feel a bit better, then I'll stay. I'll just give up nuts basically for for a week for a few weeks. Um, and that seems to make things better. Yeah, absolutely agreed. I completely. I'm obsessed with macadamia nut butter. I can literally eat that by the spoonful. Oh my God, it's so I'm good. Not but a freak. Like multiple times have I been caught with a spoon in the jar, just eating it straight from the it's, jar. But it is one of those things. Like, and I'm also like, I don't like having tiny amounts of foods. Like, I like to enjoy them. So I will have a massive spoonful. Um, but it is one of those things that, yeah, it's not the best I, I see a lot of people that kind of transition to that kind of a lifestyle or diet and they just go crazy on the nut butters so you know just tone it back a little bit yeah um oh my god so I was on a run this morning and I was listening to this podcast I forget who it was with but um this nutritionist was interviewing this woman that that's also into the health world and she has this whole theory on 
um, being healthy and, and if you need to lose weight, losing weight and just getting to your best, healthiest self. And her whole approach is more from the mind and she'll, with her clients, really just work on their mentality and like their behavior um, before working on what food they're eating. And apparently like her success rate, the success rate of her clients are really high. Um, So what would you say about like, you know, your mind and body connection? Like if somebody really wants to get healthy, but they just can't seem to, to stop eating that shitty processed food, or they just can't find that motivation. Do you have any advice from like a a mind point of view, like how to change those habits? I mean, like everything you just said is so true. Like that's part of the reason why I don't really um, work in, in a clinical setting as a nutritionist, because what's on your plate is just you know, we, I can talk about it for days, don't get me wrong, but it's actually just such a small part of the issue. I think, you know, a lot of the time people actually need to sort about what they think, not only of themselves, but about what they eat and how they approach it. Um, and I've been known to kind of have a bit of a spiritual sort of uh, approach to eating. Um, so, and I will often get on a really spiritual rant, like on my Instagram you know, to me, eating is a spiritual experience. It's your connection to the earth. Um, and, you know, all the plants that you eat, that those plants convert light from the, from the sun into all these beautiful nutrients. And I basically call it magic because I don't even think we've discovered just how magic these plants are. Um, and you're eating that. That's your connection to the earth. And we are spiritual beings and we are part of the earth. And, yeah, I think when you look at eating in that way, you just kind of change your view of it and food becomes suddenly not just a a bunch of calories or a lack of calories and it's just this beautiful experience and you enjoy it more and it it provides you with love and and energy and not energy in the form of calories. I always say I think the word calories has ruined the word energy because energy is so much more than that. Um, So, it's yeah, it is changing your perspective and um, getting in touch with that more spiritual side and seeing the earth for what it is. Um, and I, through yoga and meditation, I think that's been massive for me as well. And certainly that's hugely changed my relationship with food, um, yoga and meditation, and spirituality in general, and just kind of realizing where we fit in, in the world as humans. We're not just kind of sitting on the earth. We're part of it. Yes. Amazing. I completely <laughs> agree. Sometimes I do these rants. Totally, totally agree. I'm going to be like, how did she get to talking about that? I've got no idea, but you know, that's a conversation I'd actually love to start because I think, you know, I think it's so easy. Like people see spinach, they see carrots, celery and spinach as just good foods to eat because they're low in um, calories or low in macronutrients. So it's like free foods. And what do they call, what do they call celery? Negative calories, negative calories. Like that's how they look at it. And I'm like, Celery is so much more than a negative calorie food. Like it's not something that you just mindlessly munch on because it's got no calories. Like it's grown in the earth, in the soil. And, you know, it's a beautiful kind of thing that the the earth keeps us alive with those vegetables. Um, And, you know, when I think you think like that, then suddenly it's really easy to shop at with good quality vegetables, shopping at farmer's markets and things like that because it matters so much more to you than just a pile of calories. Yeah, I 100% agree. Honestly, it's not about calories and calories are all different. Like I when I was losing 
a lot of like when I was losing the 10 pounds of fat last year or this at the beginning of this year, I was eating like 2000 calories a day, which for from like a clinical point of view with like the nutritionists that, you know, we that that make like the food pyramid and stuff, they would say, oh, no, that's impossible to lose weight as a five foot one woman with 2000 calories a day. But that's how I did it. And, you know, it's all about health and what you eat and what you choose. And I don't really count like how much spinach I'm eating, you know, like the macro thing, like I used to do a little bit when I was starting keto and it's helped me kind of see what has what in it from like, um, you know, a learning point of view. But I definitely agree. Like now it's more just intuitive eating, doing things out of love. And, and that's that, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think I'm seeing that more and more like calories are becoming less and less of a topic. Whereas kind of 10 years ago, it's all anyone talked about. And certainly there are still some communities, especially online, that wear like sort of calories and macros, everything, which is fine. You know, it's a bit of a different industry, but it's certainly kind of not where it's not where I want to be. And it's not really what I believe. And I think food is, food is beautiful and it's not, it's not there to kind of be shamed or anything like that. Um, So yeah, it's so much more. Mm-hmm. Eat real food. I think processed McDonald's foods should be shamed, but <laughs> real food shouldn't. It's so funny. I was actually having this conversation with someone the other day because I was saying I can't believe the fact that we need to say eat real food and, and we need to use the term real food because it implies that there's a fake food out there, but there mm-hmm. is. All of that food is fake food, but we shouldn't really have a term for real food. Like that should be what food is, the rest of it. I don't even know what that is, but it shouldn't even be called food. I literally walk by like a Burger King or McDonald's and I don't even, it doesn't even pass, like it doesn't even go through my brain that that's potential food. Like it would never, I would never, ever get food from there. Not even as a treat because it's like, I'm so turned off from it and disgusted by it. I don't even crave that kind of stuff anymore. If I wanted something really gross and naughty I would you know make something at home like make a nice like creamy vegan mac and cheese or something or whatever but like a McDonald's burger like that just grosses me out and that's where you know that it's become a total lifestyle for you and it's a habit um and that's really important you know I don't think you know I get a lot a lot of people ask me and I'm sure you get asked this a lot as well like how do you stay so disciplined and how do you never eat junk food and I mean, first of all, I'm not perfect. Like I do eat things that aren't totally Instagram, kale and avocado all the time. But it's just it's just how you live your life. And, I, you know, just like you brush your teeth at night, like you just you don't gravitate towards that sort of stuff at all. It's not about I need to cheat and I need to like eat all the foods that I couldn't eat last week. It's just you, you just gravitate towards good food and, um, you know, even if it is a treat like a vegan mac and cheese kind of a thing it's you still gravitate towards real food instead of fake food yes a hundred percent all right so we are almost done this podcast I have one more question for you let's say you've woken up on the wrong side of the bed one morning what do you do that ensures that you'll bounce back and have an awesome day oh my god this happens a lot (laughs) so I'm really good at this this is when I'm feeling off center um I'll definitely a good workout will definitely, I definitely always feel like instantly in a good mood. So I'd say a workout, a yoga class, a meditation and a swim in the ocean. Um, that basically, 
I feel pretty good with those sorts of things and time away from my phone. So I'll, I'll go down because I live really close to the beach, which is awesome. Um, I'll go down and leave my phone at home and just get in the ocean. I don't know what it is, but I just feel amazing. Um, I've kind of been reading a lot about cryotherapy at the moment and cold water therapy in general. And so I think there's a lot of merit to that and you really do feel you feel on top of the world afterwards. So those are the sorts of things and definitely yoga. That's massive. And I've been doing regular yoga for years. So that's a massive part of my life. And I always say you feel like, um, your, your senses are super heightened after yoga. Like you can hear more, see more, you notice more and you can smell more when you walk out of the yoga class. So I really think there is a massive physiological and mental benefit to those things beyond Mm -hmm. what, yeah. I love that so much, Liv. Oh my God, I'm so happy that we did this. I feel like the listeners will learn a lot in this episode. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. And so good we could chat about random spiritual things. (laughs) I know. Let's get deeper into the spiritual stuff next podcast. I would love to have you on again. We can get deep on the spiritual stuff and, and kind of dig into that a little. Yeah, awesome. Always keen. Amazing. So before we go, do you want to let our listeners know um, what you're doing at the moment, your Instagram, your socials and stuff? Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I do a lot of recipes. That's my main thing. So you can find my Instagram. It's live in Bondi. So it's L-I-V-I-N-B-O-N-D-I, which is where I live. I'm sure most people know where Bondi is. And then also my name is Liv. So that makes sense. And I do have, um, I've got a little recipe ebook on my website as well. So the link for that is in my Instagram bio. And those are my favorite. Um, I know you guys call them fat bombs over there, but I call them like fat fudge treats. So those are my all sort of like favorite um, fat bombs, I suppose. And there's a white chocolate one, which is my most one of my most popular recipes. So that's on my website as well if you want to check that out. My mouth is literally watering. I need to go make those today. I love, <laughs> I love those recipes you post. And every time... You post one of those pictures of the fudge thingies. Like, they look so good. Like, yeah. they look insane. Because I'm like a white chocolate fiend. So that was my, what I wanted to create most was a sort of keto white chocolate fat bomb. And I'm obsessed with those. The cookies and cream one is my favorite. It's freaking amazing. <laughs> okay, I'm actually, I actually have the ingredients. I'm going to do that today. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Thank you so much, Liv. And we will speak soon. Awesome.